Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? <laughs> spider sense, who needs it? <laughs> to listen to the show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. This week we are continuing part two. No, it's not really a part two. The next episode <laughs> part in- Part 10. <laughs> part, part 10. <laughs> it's sort of part two of a two-parter dealing yeah. with Blade. So we talk a lot about Blade on the episode from last week because this these episodes are really deeply entangled in the history of Blade as a character and Blade the movie and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, we're not really going to talk about that here because we've already talked about it uh, at length. So It's really interesting, though. So if you didn't, for some reason, listen to the last episode we did, you should at least listen to that part because it's, yeah. it's, it's really worth it. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating how influential these episodes are, considering they're kind of, um, they don't stand out as like iconic episodes of the show that people remember necessarily, Mm -hmm. but their existence and the introduction of Blade is super influential to like superhero media and just like film as a medium in general at this point. So it's really fascinating stuff. Mm -hmm. This time, however, we are talking about the conclusion to this Blade two-parter. This is Spider-Man the Animated Series Season 2, Episode 10, entitled Neogenic Nightmare, Chapter 10, The Immortal Vampire. The synopsis for this one, per IMDb, is Spider-Man and Blade team up to stop Morbius from turning Felicia and the rest of the city into vampires. The original air date was February 10th, 1996, and it was written by John Semper, again, and Meg McLaughlin. We know plenty about John Semper, but Meg McLaughlin, um, she is a regular writer on the show. We have also talked about her before. So if you want to go back hear her credits, we talked about her on our episode five, which was on the Alien Costume three-parter. Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool, Meg. Yeah, yeah. So she wrote, <laughs> so technically, I don't remember which part she wrote on, but she wrote on an episode that completely influenced the way the symbiote was handled from here on oh, out yeah. in every Spider-Man iteration. And she wrote on an episode that influenced how Blade was handled yeah. in every future iteration. Wow. Yeah. So Meg McLaughlin Dang. is a very big part of Marvel canon. Wow. We stan. Yeah. Yeah. Into <laughs> it. Well, we don't really have any major characters introduced in this episode. And the characters spotlighted are pretty much the same ones from the last episode because this is about as direct a continuation as you can get without being like the next minute of the show. So it's pretty much all just the same cast of characters. It basically is the next minute of the show, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think maybe there's, I don't know, you could give it 10 minutes. <laughs> like, I don't, sure. I don't really know. Sure, sure. Uh, 
the only reason I say that is because Spider-Man shares like a really unnecessary detail about one of Blade's tools. Yeah. What? <laughs> okay. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, we do get a recap, of course, uh, and it's very extensive. It's so unnecessary for this much to be in a recap. But we know that Morbius likes being a vampire now because he's immortal. Blade, who's a half vampire, showed up to hunt and destroy Morbius. Did we never? Hmm. Did they ever explain why he was hunting Morbius other than Morbius is a vampire? Oh, no, like I think that's all how it was. he showed up. Oh, yeah, okay. I think because because, you know, they've established that Morbius has been on the news for a while. So he was just oh, like, OK, OK, that's fair. Vampire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man admits that he or he has admitted that he created Morbius with the Neogenic Recombinator, which now Morbius is trying to use to turn the whole world into vampires. And the last thing we saw is that Blade and Spider-Man agree to team up to stop Morbius. That they do. And that's when the episode opens with a really weird... Okay, so they basically recap what they were already doing, so uh-huh. we didn't need the recap. Mm-hmm. Spidey <laughs> Spidey and Blade are hot on the trail of Morbius, and Spider-Man, like... <laughs> I Yeah, he explains... So, okay, he explains that Blade <laughs> has a compass, has, like, a magic compass, I guess, yeah. that leads them to vampires and led them to Morbius. But he's like, well, because it's ancient and we're in a modern city, it's very slow. So that's why it took us a long time to catch Morbius, except like they're going to like catch up to Morbius, like immediately, like they're on his his tail already. So yeah. So it's like weird (laughs) because they're explaining a gap that never actually is shown. Yeah. It's like they're justifying something that didn't actually happen on screen. (laughs) Right. It's like, it feels like it's either, it was either like a cut scene from a longer script that they're mm -hmm. referencing or it was just like, this is a cool idea. Oh, we can't work it in. Well, can we at least like say that it exists? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It, it's it's weird. It's like excusing something that you didn't actually mess up. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a cool idea for a thing, I guess. Yeah. But but even then, it still kind of stands out to me because they've they've really tried hard to not make it too occult and make yeah. it like pre like grounded in science as much as they possibly can. So like to then just be like, yeah, but but he has a magic compass, though. But it doesn't really matter. But he has it. Well, I don't. Just, OK, so I don't know if you've been to New York City and tried to use your cell phone, uh, but it's really hard. So maybe there's just a lot of people using occult compasses <laughs> in New York City at the time. And so the service is really slow. <laughs> occult interference yeah that's yeah. scientific right i you know <laughs> i you could argue that maybe his compass detects a special uh, radiation or like energy that all vampires with the mutant gene slash disease emit mm. and and that's how it works but yeah because there's so much n- or ooh, maybe he thinks he thinks that it's because it's ancient and they're in a city but really it's because spider-man is with him and spider-man also has radioactive spider blood created from neogenics oh. and the compass is throwing it off and blade doesn't know that so he's like i guess it's because we're in the city yo solved it solved i love th- that i solved the problem that was a solution to a problem that didn't exist i love it so much <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with this explanation. (laughs) Mission accomplished. Episode over. Bye, guys. Wow. Shortest episode ever. Have a Mm -hmm. great week. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So this is when, uh, so the more, the compass stuff happens, but uh, the more important part is that if they don't stop Morbius in time, Spider-Man is going to mutate again and Morbius will turn the whole world into vampires. So reasonably high stakes for this yeah good thing we got that recap (laughs) yeah right (laughs) (laughs) 
just explains literally everything two seconds later. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being really hard on the recap. <laughs> yeah, it's but that's the thing is that it's like these episodes are so short, so it's like yeah, it's had to be a, a time thing, and I don't think it was on the writer's part. No, I think I don't know if it was even a network thing. I think it was probably um like Avi Arad or whoever, like whoever was in charge of the the actual studio or no, oh no, Saban. What am I thinking? It had to be a Saban thing mm. where it's just like do as little animation as possible, make your recaps really long and really dense. Yeah. And that's going to shave a minute and a half off. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. Well, Morbius manages. We mentioned that they're basically hot on the trail of, of Morbius. Like they're they're at points like feet behind him. Um, but he does manage to lose Spider-Man and Blade by flying over the bay. Spider-Man claims like, I think I know where he's going to go. So Blade, follow me. Which Blade like really, really objects to. <laughs> like <laughs> not okay with being a follower. How alpha of you, Blade. <laughs> yeah. But he agrees. So the two end up swinging and riding through the city. Not together, but that would be cute. (laughs) And they nearly cause an accident between a semi-truck and Detective Lee's cruiser, which is actually fortunate for Detective Lee because she's trying to find Spider-Man. I don't... She doesn't know of Blade yet because she ends up saying over the radio an un unnamed or unidentified man right yeah yeah so they yeah there's no way yet. he hasn't been on the news or anything and, and all of the fights that he's had with morbius have been like on rooftops so like yeah yeah he he hasn't yeah there's no way that she would know about him at all so this yeah, yeah this is this is their this is technically their meet cute Ah. <laughs> Guess what's going to happen, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Their meet cute is him almost getting her killed in an accident yeah. with a truck. <laughs> you know what bothered me most about this and it shouldn't have? There are no semi-trucks driving through Manhattan, right? Oh, um. I know there are smaller delivery trucks, but that's like a big truck. <laughs> I don't know. because well, in, Where would they go? Uh, I'll have to I ask feel... my brother when the last time he saw a semi truck in the city was. I'd be cu- yeah, because I I would Some... hesitate to say hmm. that there never are, but there all there are very consistently on cartoons and like Spider Man video games and stuff because it's fun to do a no, set there piece has with to the tractor trailer. There has to be. I hate to say this, but how else would you get certain things certain places without semi trucks? Yeah, I guess there so. shouldn't be. All right, here's my thing: there shouldn't be semi trucks in Manhattan. Well, <laughs> shouldn't be semi trucks anywhere. That's a little extreme. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I feel it. I mean, there's definitely, I don't, know. I don't know. That's a, that's actually, I think that's a more complicated subject than it sounds like. I think so. Yeah. Cause that's a whole, that's a whole thing. And that's a whole uh, industry. I will say I grew up, like I grew up in the country, mm-hmm. but also right next to an off ramp from, um, from the interstate. So there oh. was just like a giant, like there was, we didn't have like, a Walmart or, or like a grocery store less than like 15 minutes from us. Yeah. But right in our vicinity, there was like a whole giant collection of truck stops. Oh. So like it was this weird combination of like country roads and we were lived next to like a bunch of farms and everything and like mm-hmm. kind of in the middle of nowhere. But then like we're constantly dealing with like tractor trailers everywhere all the time, mm. <laughs> which is a weird like looking back on it. Like when I was a kid, it was just like life. But yeah. looking back on it, like what a weird combination of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess I should clarify. Like, I don't have any actually concrete uh, beliefs on semi-trucks or tractor trailers. I have almost gotten into so many accidents with tractor trailers, though, because of, like, well, sure. the vicinity of so many of them. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a con- They're definitely difficult sometimes, yeah. but I've, I don't really know anything about them. 
I just was I thought it was so funny that like the accident that happens in the middle of Manhattan is like a police cruiser in a semi truck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I associate semi trucks with like country roads like you had said or like big highways. Yeah. What a weird like controversial tangent we just went on. <laughs> yeah, why am I more afraid to talk about semi trucks than I am about like I don't know, other things we've tackled that are because explicitly a lot of, political. <laughs> because a lot of the other political stuff we've talked about is, like, objectively bad. Yeah. And, <laughs> whereas, like, tractor-trailer things are – that's an industry that neither of us know very much about. Yeah. It is not a, a hot-button issue and actually, like, does directly affect people's jobs and stuff. And True. Like, I have friends who whose parents are truck drivers and stuff. So, like, sure. it's weird to think about. But – they are not always good drivers. So <laughs> that's, just, but I'm also not a good driver well, as well. I just don't drive a tractor trailer. So you I know. think that the conditions for that industry aren't great a lot of the time. Yeah. So I, I think, think that's that it, you know. the key. Yeah. That's the key. It's not an issue with the industry. Again, it feels weird that we're like tiptoeing around this and talking about it for so long. We need to run away from this quickly. It's Welcome just... to walloping web snappers. <laughs> <laughs> the issue isn't with the industry or the workers or anything. It's just there are, but there are absolutely flaws in the industry that are harmful to like truck drivers and they're not yeah. treated very well in a lot of cases. And yeah, I don't think the standards are very good. And that causes a lot of the problems that we are referencing. Yes. Yeah. God damn. What if like, this is a, this is like, this is what gets us canceled. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, big semi truck. <laughs> We apologize. We didn't Jesus know the Christ. impact of our words. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just wanted to listen to an episode where they talk about Blade. What's happening? Well, Blade almost caused an accident. <laughs> so it's all connected, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. So detectively had her meet cute. She's going to continue her pursuit of Spider-Man. Spider-Man and Blade arrive at EXG Electronics, um, which is where Spider-Man explains a pretty ingenious plan that he came up with, like, in the background, where he, he tells Blade that in order to prevent Morbius from using the Recombinator again, he was like, I know that he's going to be able to get past Dr. Connor's defenses. So I planned for that, took a computer chip that was necessary for, like, the entire operation for everything to work. And this electronics place is the only place that produces the chips. So Morbius is a smart guy. He's going to figure that out and he's going to come here. So logically, Morbius must be inside. Yes. And sure yeah. enough, Morbius is inside. <laughs> uh-huh. Which yes, is great. Is. What's What follows, it's a really well choreographed fight scene, I think, because mm -hmm. there's this really interesting dynamic where Blade is in going in for the kill. So he wants to kill Morbius because he kills vampires. Spider-Man wants to subdue Morbius, but he also wants to make sure that Blade doesn't kill Morbius. So there's constantly like this weird push-pull of Blade like going in for a killing move and like going to actually stab Morbius or whatever. And then Spider-Man like either webbing Blade and making him fall over or like webbing Morbius out of the way. Or and, like it's a really cool, like different fight sequence because Spider-Man is essentially like this weird mediator between mm -hmm. the two. Yeah, no, that's the perfect way to put it, I would say. Because he has his own motivation, but he like can't even really really follow through on it because he's mediating their conflict. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's very, very cool. I actually think it would have, that dynamic would probably make really cool real life action choreography too. Yeah. And kind of imagine some of the really cool sequences that would come from that. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. it's fun. Yeah. That would be really fun. Did you notice that Morbius's face was like really weirdly off model in that whole sequence? 
I something was different, and I wasn't sure what it was. He didn't have his eye like his eyebrows were completely gone, and like he had extra lines to his face, and I don't think they drew his pupils either. So he like was weirdly drawn the to pupils. Be, like, much... I noticed, yeah, or the lack thereof. Which you can explain that away from just being like there are a lot of faraway shots, but sure. like it's consistently like he was drawn like with a lot more lines and a lot more of a monstrous face, weirdly, just for the scene. Because at first I was like, oh. I remember because I do remember vaguely like him turning into the bat guy, like the man bat basically at the end of it. So I was but I was like, wait, so is he I wonder if he's gradually like gradually turning into that. But no, it's just the way it's drawn in this. I thought the same thing, but (laughs) nope. (laughs) So like you mentioned, Spider-Man stops Blade from shooting Morbius with a crossbow. So they can't really sneak up on him anymore. Blade like pretty immediately regrets teaming up with Spider-Man and says as such. Um, And that's where you get that cool choreography where the vampires are fighting while Spider-Man's mediating. Mm -hmm. In this whole thing, Morbius manages to basically drop, I guess, a computer console of some kind. I don't know, some sort of large tech thing on top of Blade, which allows him to search and find the computer chip uh, for the recombinator while Spider-Man spends time freeing Blade from being underneath this console. So Morbius does find what he's looking for. Blade once again tries to shoot Morbius with the crossbow, but when Detective Lee shows up, she's taken hostage by Morbius. So Spider-Man's like, no, 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 no. We cannot shoot over there. Don't kill Morbius and definitely don't kill Detective Lee. (laughs) So kind of lucky on Morbius's part, I guess. (laughs) I guess so. Sucks for Lee though. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Well, Morbius flies out of the building with Detective Lee, but it's like, hmm, bye. And he just drops her back to the skylight he just, like, flew out of. I genuinely um, wasn't expecting it and, like, gasped. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, I guess he's got her as a hostage or whatever. No, nope, he I just figured. drops her, and her yeah. scream is piercing. Uh-huh. I mentioned last week there are some good screams in this two-parter. Uh-huh. This is one of them. <laughs> she gives uh she gives Deborah's scream a run for run for oh, her money. Yep. Yeah. Big time. So Blade ends up being the one to catch Lee. Does does he am I remembering correct? Doesn't he do like a flip into catching her? I think he does. Or is that something else? I feel like he does. I that's yeah, it's I feel like he does. Very dramatic, whatever it is. But he catches <laughs> Lee, <laughs> saving her from the fall, and Spider-Man ends up leaving through the skylight to pursue Morbius. Yes. Detective Lee attempts to arrest Blade, because of course, uh, we know where this is going, so naturally she's gonna try to arrest him. But it doesn't work. Um I think he like slaps her gun out of her hands. Yeah. And then like runs away. <laughs> yeah. This is their real meat cute. Yes. Yeah, this is how it would actually happen in a movie. Yeah. Tries to arrest him and he gets away. Yeah. Actually, I feel like I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen a rom-com that uses the dynamic of like a cop falling in love with the suspect that they're chasing. Like that's got to be a thing, right? I think it's a big thing in books. I think it's a really big thing in books. Oh, uh, okay. Cuz there's I think it's um I think uh what is Nora Roberts uh student JD Robb. I think her biggest biggest series is kind of all about that interesting okay yeah i had mm-hmm. no idea i had no yeah. idea if i'm getting it right i have not read any of them <laughs> sure yeah that just seems like such a dynamic that's just so rife for like right? hot romance like yeah. <laughs> what yeah. a very it's a very sexy dynamic actually <laughs> 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 uh, which is kind of why it weirdly works in this despite the fact that they don't get a lot of screen time i actually really like their romance a lot even though it's like 30 seconds of it total maybe that we see yeah yeah, if you told me going in that that was going to happen, I was going to be like, like, I would have said, really? Like, do we need that? But I'm I'm very here for it. Yeah, it works a lot. 
I also like her. Uh, this this is not a new thing. This is just how this show has to do guns. But her gun is like so. It's like just this <laughs> high tech laser pistol. It's so cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It has like a basically like a like a square hole. Like I don't know what's supposed to come out of it. Is <laughs> I know, there is like to shoot lasers? It has to shoot lasers. It's funny because like I know that they they're doing it for like the censorship thing. They don't want to show yeah. actual guns. I get that. But it's also funny that it's sort of like okay, so we're gonna go so far in the opposite direction that you're not even gonna be able to tell how this gun works like at all. Like it's not just it's not just like a space laser. It's mm-hmm. like the most <laughs> like complex yeah. like overly designed so thing extreme. you've ever seen. It's so, so extreme. extreme. Yeah. Uh, that gun and Punisher's eight barrel gun would get along great. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> you know what we didn't talk about i swear this will be a a very short tangent but we did a spider bite that you should all check out about the miles morales first 12 issues uh of the most recent sort of title of that Mm -hmm. and there's a scene in that where they they censor the guns because they're all children but literally all they do is make the guns like neon colors i don't even remember that yeah it was so weird and it's the only explanation i can think of for why they're all holding like differently colored neon automatic rifles um but it kind of makes me wonder like why don't they do that in just cartoons like they make i mean i guess it's cooler to have this like high-tech bizarro future weapon yeah but i'm surprised they don't just make them like wacky colors huh yeah i don't um, i don't know i think i like the future weapon better because the i think i do too the color the neon colored guns then it just looks like a like a water gun or something yeah like, no it looks like toys i, I don't want it but i'm surprised because it's such a lazier yeah. like much lazier solution <laughs> yeah. you know like, yeah yeah just draw what you know and color it differently but that's funny it's that's it's so like funny. a jarring jarring picture in the comic that's really funny <laughs> I, yeah i didn't i did not even catch that or if i did yeah. i didn't remember it we're pro future weirdo laser guns on this podcast <laughs> yes <laughs> please please yes <laughs> so spider-man finds morbius flying above the city um there's so many times where spider-man is where it's just like we got to find morbius there's morbius like that happens <laughs> so often you're right there are <laughs> <laughs> but he finds him flying above the city and manages to take the chip from his pocket uh and this is when spider-man like kind of tries to appeal to morbius again uh pleading for him to um to, you know i want to save you from your curse and then Morbius instead calls his mutation a blessing. And then once again, doubling down on how he's celebrating his immortality, which again, we don't really know why he knows that he's immortal or if he's just making an assumption, but yeah, that's what he fully believes at this point. And this is kind of the point when it's pretty obvious that Spider-Man can't just like convince him of one side or the other. So during their fight, Spider-Man drops the chip and Morbius is able to escape with it. And Spider-Man, of course, has run out of web fluid and he's like, oh man, Blade is going to like totally ground me when I get home. <laughs> I know. I love that. <laughs> Especially because they don't even particularly get along. <laughs> right, right. Oh, uh, Blade's going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah. He's not wrong. Yeah. One thing from this interaction, M- Morbius calls his mutation a blessing. I'm pretty sure in the last episode we talked about, Whistler describes Blade's powers as a blessing oh, in a different context. I mean, he he describes it as a blessing, I think, because Blade kind of gets the best of both worlds mm-hmm. through his powers, which actually, I wonder if that's part of the commentary of the... In our last episode, we pointed out that Blade's parents appear to be a mixed race pairing. Mm-hmm. And I think in those circumstances, people frequently feel like they don't fit into a lot of communities because they're always sort of othered. It's interesting that Blade's powers kind of give him the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. 
that's kind of a tangent. That's not even where I thought I was going to go. So I'm not sure what to do with that. But <laughs> I do think it's interesting that both Morbius and Blade's powers are referred to as blessings at some point. And the fact that we have two vampires that are different on the same episode, I haven't quite figured out like how to relate the two of them yet. But I wonder if that's part of part of the launching point somewhere. It's a work in progress to figure out what I think the two different vampires are saying to me. Yeah, because they're kind of two sides of the same coin, right? Because both of mm-hmm. them were created by like kind of um, not not necessarily unnatural means, but like untyp like untypical means. Like sure, Blade was is a child of a human and a vampire, and Morbius was created with like scientific research um, and like super. science rays which results in both of them being like very different kinds of vampires and not quite like fitting in with being vampires like you were saying but the ways that they've sort of like embraced who they are are very different like Mm -hmm. blade weirdly like like you mentioned the last week there's sort of this weird dichotomy with blade where he does kind of like celebrate his ability to have these abilities but it's also like so self-hating that he wants to kill every single vampire that exists. Yeah. Whereas Morbius is sort of like went from being self-hating just because of being a vampire to like fully 100% embracing who mm. he is to so much to the point, like the complete opposite of Blade wanting to kill everyone. Morbius wants to create every vampire. Oh in the world. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And that, that is pretty like explicit, right? Like Blade, one of the things that he's terrified of with regards to the Neogenic Recombinator is the fact that it could theoretically make more Morbiuses and more mm-hmm. vampires. Yeah, maybe it's more straightforward than I than I was thinking it is. Yeah, um, I think they're just supposed to be foils for each other. Yeah, and I don't want to spoil it because I know you don't remember it, but I do know that when both of these characters come back later in the show, I know okay. the dynamic that they have, and I think that that has helped me make that conclusion that I just made now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that they are they are very particularly meant to be foils to each other. Which is interesting because, like, they're both vampires, but they're still (laughs) wildly different takes on on how to handle, like, being a vampire, which is interesting. No, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. So later, Spider-Man ends up finding Detective Lee, and the two meet back up with Blade and his best buddy, Whistler. It is interesting. We haven't talked a whole lot about the similarities between Blade and Whistler and Punisher and Microchip. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting that we get two sort of two-parters so close to one another with these characters that kind of have like pretty similar dynamics. You have the super-powered one who is like angry and vengeful and like is sort of this character Spider-Man's trying to prevent from going overboard. Mm -hmm. And then their buddy who's like, calm down, like keep it chill. (laughs) Yeah, it it is really interesting. The dynamic is still different though. Like I don't get this... I don't get the sexual tension vibes here that I no, got with the Microchip and Punisher. It's almost Whistler feels more like a fatherly kind yeah. of relationship with Blade in this case. Like he's just there to like kind of help him and comfort him and guide him. Yeah, it's more of a father son thing than a like alpha and beta relationship <sighs> yeah. thing. You know? Yes, yes, because because there's definitely because you know Punisher could easily not listen to anything that Microchip said. He only would because he like clearly mm. cared about him for whatever reason. In this case, Blade seems to always defer to whatever Whistler is telling him, no matter how, like, angry he is. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, like, Whistler feels totally empowered to just be like, yeah, I'm just going to tell your whole life story to this guy we just met. And Blade's like, well, I wish you wouldn't, but I can't do anything about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, That's a good point. That is because it doesn't feel like the exact same thing. Like, there are definitely similarities that are are I think clear enough to sort of recognize, but there's there was something that that distinguished it, and I think I think you nailed what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I 
couldn't quite put my finger on it. So that, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 So Whistler explains that he's developed this new weapon to combat Morbius, which is basically a photosynthetic force field, I guess just like a way to restrain Morbius using artificial sunlight. He's mm-hmm. somehow made it tangible, <laughs> I guess. Sure. Whatever. And he introduces this weapon by shooting it directly at Spider-Man without any warning whatsoever. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Which rude? That's is that a prank or is that just rude? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> he almost seems like absent-minded about it because he's just like, oh, it's not going to hurt you. It's like, yeah, <laughs> but that, that wasn't the problem here. The fact is, you, you shot you shot me with something without yeah. telling me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like the idea that like he just assumed everybody in the room knew this wouldn't hurt Spider-Man. Right, right. What? It why wasn't going to do anything. <laughs> why shoot it directly at him anyway? Like it doesn't. I don't know. <laughs> Shoot it anywhere. Right, right. <laughs> well, except at Blade, I suppose. Yeah. Or no, sunlight doesn't work. Yeah, no, yeah. It wouldn't it wouldn't hurt anybody there. So it's just <laughs> whatever. It, but he's he I think he is a little bit he, they don't like really double down on it, but I think he's like so mellow that yeah. he almost like d- is all kind of absent minded because like they're even like Spider Man's like that thing's kinda like big. It's not gonna fit on the back of the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And Whistler's like Oh, yes, you're right. I suppose I should make a smaller version. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you said that his his counterpart in the movie is almost sort of, is he hippie-ish or does he just kind of look that way? No, he just kind of looks like it. He's more okay. of like a biker vibe, actually. Oh, okay. So it's not like he's sort of like uh, old school burnout type. Thing. No, no, no. Okay, um, gotcha. Like that would have been I, funny. <laughs> it's, yeah, it would be funny. It's I guess you can sort of get that vibe a little bit from him. Like he's definitely more mellow than Blade is. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I. It's been a few years since I saw them, but he's definitely more mellow than Blade is. But yeah, he's not like a like a burnout or anything. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, so he he shoots Spider Man with this thing. Um, you mentioned that Spider Man points out the 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 cumbersome size of this, and and Whistler agrees that mm-hmm. it is a bit large. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man then sets off to replenish his web supply. Um, He says he'll return in like about an hour. But just after Spidey leaves, Blade begins to experience a pain that Whistler explains to Detective Lee. So good thing that she's there to have exposition delivered to her. (laughs) Um, Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He says that Blade is a vampire and that it's time for his serum. Which is a thing that will be explained shortly, but that's the yeah. first indication that we've gotten that he needs some kind of serum, that the vampireness of him isn't just like a, it's not, it's, it's not a perfect everything's great situation. There's yeah. a downside to it. Yes, yes. Which is good. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be almost too perfect if there was no downside. Right, right, right. <laughs> we go back to the Parker residence and... Spider-Man's spider sense is beginning to activate. He's not really sure why that would be, but he finds out quickly that Morbius is in his bedroom. Yikes. Definite yikes. Uh, at first, he's confused by this, but realizes like pretty quickly that Morbius is probably looking to see if Peter has another blood sample somewhere in his room, which at first is like a weird thing, but we've seen Peter do enough science in his bedroom that I guess it's not that strange. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't like live on campus, so I guess it's not that that weird at all. Sure. Although, can you bring that stuff home? <laughs> Oh, I'm like sure you're not supposed shouldn't. to, but, like, Michael's also operating from the mindset that he can just take entire, like, equipment and consoles mm. with mm-hmm. him to his apartment, so. Good point. <laughs> what are rules? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we haven't seen, uh, or we haven't seen again Peter's, like, closet 
uh, dark room lab, whatever that is. <laughs> no, right? I, I have a feeling that that one time we saw it is literally the only time we'll ever uh, see it because we've seen so much his, more. <laughs> we've seen him like open his closet before and it's just a closet. So, oh, whoa. Weird. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's no blood sample in his room or his closet or his secret dark room <laughs> slash lab. Um, about. <laughs> so Morbius ends up leaving because he does not find what he wants. But he did trash that room. Yeah, uh, man. Rude. It's surprising that Aunt May like didn't hear that happening. <laughs> yeah. I guess for he's real or something. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, that is the concern, right? Like Spider-Man is is terrified that Morbius is going to cause some sort of problem for Aunt May. Right. Um, so he's, like, relieved that Morbius leaves without finding anything. He even says, like, a confrontation would have been terrible. I don't know what would have happened to Aunt May. She could have been hurt. Right, right. Which, foreshadowing. as we know, is a nice, yeah, bit, bit of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Which the show doesn't always do. So I'm I'm glad that it happens in the way that it does here. It's really, it does. really nice. It does. Now, back at the Daily Bugle, which we're at the Daily Bugle. We haven't. <laughs> when was Where? the last time we were even there? What's that? Have we even been there all season? Like, we've seen Jonah mm. on the TV a couple, like, once or twice talking about stuff. But have we. I feel like this is the first time we've been back to the Daily Bugle all season. I, I'm hesitant to say that we haven't at all, but I cannot think of when we were. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, th- I don't think that there has ever been a point when they would have come back there. If we were, it would have had to have been those very early episodes that don't feel like season two. I right? guess so. But I still don't know when it would have been. Because it was, yeah, the Insidious 6 two-parter had a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. And that was mostly at school when he wasn't dealing with, you know, the actual hmm. Insidious 6. And then Hydra Man definitely didn't. X-Men definitely didn't. Wow. And I don't think we've seen it since then. Yeah. I, and I feel like this might be the first time we've seen Robbie all season yeah. two. Yeah, I think so. Weird, which is so funny because they were such a he and JJ were such a prominent part of the first season. Like mm-hmm. Jameson was the only other character in every single episode almost. So Right. Yeah, what a how why I mean, to be fair, they don't really fit into the storyline that they're telling. So like I get it, but I appreciate that like they bring them back in specifically to be like What's going on with Peter? Like, <laughs> we don't... I like the way that they're brought into this. Yeah, I do too. I they do actually too. introduce a lot of things into these two episodes, or I guess reintroduce quite a few things. Um, I mean, we mentioned Detective Lee, obviously, but she's a bigger part of that last episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they really reintroduce a lot of things that I didn't forget about, but I wasn't necessarily expecting to see. And they do it in a way that feels very natural to what's happening. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that, Cartoons and comics can do, but like live action TV shows struggle with because the contracts for cartoons and stuff are definitely different. So you don't have to necessarily worry about your main cast being in a set number of episodes. So like with a live action TV show, if you wanted to have keep someone on as a series regular and like justify paying them that, they probably have a certain number of episodes in their contract they have to appear in. Yeah. You can't just like be like, they don't really fit into the storyline. So we're just going to hold off until like Hmm. the end of the season to bring them back. And they, you know, it's a lot harder to do without like either paying them a lot of money to not do anything or like dealing with complicated contract stuff. So Hmm. that's a much more general comment, but it's just like that made me think of that, that like Jameson can be such a prominent major character in one season and not in the other season. And they don't really have, they don't have to worry about like losing Ed Asner or anything over that. Yeah. That's so true. Huh. What a weird thing to think about, Yeah, but a good thing to think about because it kind of helps put things into place. Uh huh. Uh huh. And when they're in, when they're here, they're here for for a reason, for an important yeah. reason. Because, like you said, this is a good scene. 
So back at the bugle, Jameson and Robbie are, are kind of walking and, and talking about like what's up with Peter. They don't understand like why he was kind of using essentially using them as an excuse, saying that he was on an assignment, but like what they didn't give him an assignment. After they're recapping all the stuff with Peter, that's when we intersect them with Morbius, which is pretty cool. Because Morbius, like, attacks a guard. They interact with Morbius because he is there searching for Peter. And, of course, like, they were just talking about how they didn't understand what was up with Peter. So they're like, we don't know where Peter is, weird vampire man. Um, (laughs) We can't can't help you, man. Um, But, yeah, but Morbius is like, all right, whatever. And he flies away. Yeah, yeah. Really, really not not uh wasting any time with anything that isn't very purposeful <laughs> right right yeah this episode you like is a pretty is a very tight one it definitely yeah. which is funny because it like goes back and forth to locations mm-hmm. like so many times it kind of reminds me of like when we were doing the mysterio episode and we were almost getting tripped up with doing the plot because <laughs> of like how back and forth it was yep. and how many interactions they were having it's sort of it's a lot like that in this one because like we go back and forth to peter's house like a couple of times yeah but it doesn't feel like all over the place. It still feels very tight because there's a really clear progression from point A to B to C to D yeah. throughout it. I, I think this is one of the best structured episodes from this series that we've talked about so far. I think I would agree with that statement, actually. Because, yeah, because it gets a lot of stuff done and goes to a lot of different places with a lot of different characters. And it does not feel overstuffed or like poorly paced or anything i think because they utilize small interactions and small scenes to set up the things that they're building towards yeah so like when they have the comment about a confrontation with aunt may it's something they've kind of already planted in your head without spending a lot of time on it so that when it happens you're not like that's out of the blue you know right right so i just i think it's really well well done i agree with that yeah i think that's a really good assertion so after Jonah and Robbie interact with Morbius, they and, and we don't know how long after this is, but it can't be very long because all everything that happens in these two episodes pretty much happens over the course of one night. Definitely this episode is happening just over the course of a couple hours. So at some point after their interaction with Morbius, they confront Peter about where he's been, his absence from the bugle, his lack of work, and his claim that he was on an assignment for them. Like, they want answers <laughs> When he doesn't give any to them, Jonah basically threatens to fire Peter, which I still have questions about. <laughs> I guess he's I guess he's a, a photographer on the payroll, like guess, whatever. I guess so. I don't whatever. know. Whatever. But he threatens to fire Peter, um, and Peter's like, oh, shoot, I got to think of something because I can't get fired, and says, well, you can't fire me because I'm about to get the picture of the century. Of course, Jameson takes the bait, and Peter explains that he's working on a photo of Morbius, the living vampire behind all the trouble at ESU, which is actually pretty enticing because without Peter taking any pictures of all this stuff, there really aren't any pictures of Morbius out there. That's true. When he was on TV, nobody understood what that was because he wasn't in the light. That's right. I think it's kind of how we were supposed to interpret it. Yeah, so no one's actually gotten a good sight of him. Yeah, that makes sense. Except for the incredible sketch artist who has <laughs> nailed the likeness. <laughs> uh, I can't wait until Peter does get the photo and all of his coworkers are like, what the fuck is up with Tom? <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> you gotta watch out for that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Some superpowers. I think he's yeah. a mutant. <laughs> <laughs> Our coworker mutant. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, so he's he's promising the photo of the century, and 
Jonah says, all right, you got 24 hours. Make it happen. Uh, otherwise, you're fired. <laughs> he also, like, Peter, <laughs> this is just such a Jameson thing. Peter's like, I do need one more thing from you. And Jonah's like, I'm not giving you any more money. You always want money. I'm not giving you any money. And Peter's like, I don't, that's not what I want. That's not what I said. <laughs> it's nothing to do with money. <laughs> you barely yeah. pay me anyway. What he needs is the Daily Bugle delivery van. Yeah. Who knew? Complete with a uh, with a, an image of of a Daily Bugle newspaper with like a Spider Man like threat or menace or something. Uh, of course, headline. of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is a great vehicle for him to drive around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. He's got a battle van now too, just like Punisher. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, I want to see the Daily Bugle van versus the battle van. We'd have to do some time travel because I think the battle van was killed in combat. But yeah, the battle van. <laughs> I want to see one hundred percent win. Like what? It's not even a contest. I guess. I still want to see it. <laughs> sure. Somebody out there who's a really great artist needs to do battle van versus daily bugle van, but as transformers. <laughs> That's what I request. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> the Spider-Man newspaper would be like at the center of the chest, like instead of like a chest emblem or anything. Yes. Oh, that'd yeah. be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so back at the theater lair of Blade and Whistler, Whistler explains even more of Blade's story because that's pretty much his job at this mm-hmm. point. Um, he shares with Detective Lee that Blade is still searching for his missing mother. More importantly, that the serum prevents Blade from needing blood, which they explicitly say they don't call it plasma this time. Yep, yep. Which kind of breaks our theory that we were talking about, like, back when Morbius was first introduced, because they did alternate, in, in his first episode, they kind of alternate between blood and plasma. And yeah. Our theory was that when it's something very clinical or very medical, they can say the word blood, but when it's referring to, like, violence or, like, the act of, like, actually sucking blood or being, like, cannibals about it, that's when they have to call it plasma, and they made those distinctions. But in this case, it's very not clinical. It's it's about Blade needing to eat blood and they call it blood so theory dismantled it doesn't yeah. make any sense yeah it no longer makes sense we were wrong could have just been a time when it just got past sensors or something too yeah i think the line specifically is needing blood too um which i guess is ambiguous or not ambiguous True. but it's like pretty unclear like that's what you say when you need a blood transfusion is you need blood so like yeah. you could argue that that's a clinical thing but they say blood sucking in the, in the episode prior to this. So that's, uh, that's still, a good point. I, I forgot still think about our that. theory is broken. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. yeah Maybe they had a certain number of times they were allowed to say blood. I would not be surprised. That actually makes a lot of sense. I, I honestly wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. Oh, that's actually a really interesting theory. Uh, I'll have to go back and watch the earlier Morbius episodes to see just how many times they say it. Because that's how they determine, like, an R rating versus a PG-13 rating for, like, saying fuck in a movie. Like, yeah. you can say it a certain amount of times before it can be R, um, and I think for other for other words, too. Yeah. So This podcast is currently at PG-13. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Hello, amazing friends. We'd just like to take a minute to give a special thank you to our spectacular and up patrons, Gemma Nicole, Katie, and Chris. And if you are interested in becoming a patron, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. We have three different tiers that you can opt into, the first of which is our $1 tier where you get early access to episodes, a bunch of Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes such as our Spider Bite mini-episodes, you get to participate in our Walloping Word Snappers interactive improv game, 
and you get your own random villain alter ego. If you join us at our spectacular level at $5, you will get all previous rewards in addition to our monthly After Dark commentary episodes, a downloadable high-quality poster of our logo art, a personal on-air shout-out on each episode we record while you're a patron, and a Twitter shout-out and Twitter and Instagram follow once you become a patron. And if you really love what we're doing and you want to be a part of it, you can join our amazing tier at $30 where... If you stick around at that amazing tier, you could guest on the episode. That's right. You could be on an episode of Walloping Web Snappers to talk about anything that you would like that is in the Spider-Man canon or mythos. So at the end of the day, it's you guys who lets us keep doing what we're doing. So thank you for that. No matter what level you're able to contribute or if you're just an avid listener who's stopping by, trust us, your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Thank you. Thanks. So, as Whistler is preparing the serum, Blade senses someone's presence. Which I actually have a lot of questions about, but I don't think this is the time to dive into them. I would assume that he could sense things, but I guess not, (laughs) because there are many times where he should have sensed things, but didn't. I don't know, whatever. They open the loading dock door, and Peter Parker is there with the Daily Bugle van. Peter claims that Spider-Man sent him, uh, and that he sent him with a plan. And Detective Lee vouches for him, saying, he's cool. And this is my favorite line it's so in good. the entire series. It's so good. Like, it's so good. It's so good. It's, it's so good. It's so good. It's 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 just great that it's there and it's delivered so well. So Detective Lee says he's cool. Basically, he knows Spider-Man. He's cool. Like, don't worry about it. Blade's response is knowing Spider-Man does not make him cool. <laughs> and he I just says- want to isolate that clip. And just play it all the time. <laughs> he says the word cool with such venom. Yes. <laughs> so disgusted. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. It's so it. good. It's I so was good. Hackling the first time I watched it. Me too. Oh, so good. <laughs> Me too. Oh, it's fantastic. I uh. love I love I love this though. I love getting Peter involved. Like the only like literally the only thing that I don't like about how all this plays out is that I wish that Peter would have given like some throwaway line excuse to like Spider-Man can't be here today because they don't question it until after the fact. Yeah. Because that was kind of bothering me a little bit. But the situation that he is put in and the way this whole sequence goes is so well done and so cool. Yeah. And and such a different thing from what we've gotten in this show up to this point. Yeah, I dig it a lot. Yeah. Basically, we return to the Parker residence. Peter rolls up in the van and now Mary Jane is waiting for him. (laughs) His spider sense is activating. So he knows that Morbius has to be around again and he has to figure out a way to get Mary Jane like away. Uh, But she's kind of put her foot down wanting an explanation for what's with Peter's avoidance. Although he's like she's like. It's kind of weird because she wants an explanation, but she's also like, but I already know. Like, I think referring to him hugging Felicia. But It's one of those things where, like, she wants him to say the thing so that yeah. he knows she knew, I think. Right. That makes sense, actually. Yeah, so she kind of wants an explanation, and she's like, I'm trying to rekindle our relationship. Like, I'm trying to make this work. So just, like, tell me what's going on. Tell me what's up with you. Tell me if you, like you said, like, tell me if you just want to be with Felicia. So I can at least know. And Peter has no idea, like, what to do in this situation. He just needs to get her out of there. So he's like, yeah, okay, it's Felicia. Okay, I still want to be with Felicia. And so, of course, she's pissed and storms off. Um, Yeah. And it sucks. It's a very – it's such a typical Peter Parker situation. And it's, like, the perfect kind because you can't fault 
Mary Jane for having the reaction that she does. Yeah. Peter looks like a jerk, but like, what else was he really going to do? Because he, he, he's clearly frantic and in a bad situation and he's going to get her out there quickly. And that was the easiest way to do it. Yeah. I actually like the way that the scene is structured because she is continuing to talk while he is trying really hard. He's, he's trying really hard to listen to what she's saying, but his spider sense keeps going off. Yeah. So you keep seeing her sort of like ask a question and then it cuts to him with his spider sense going off and you can tell he's kind of struggling to focus on her mm-hmm. while simultaneously trying to identify where Morbius is, figure out a way to get her away from there. Like, I just think it's 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 done well for a thing that's supposed to feel sort of full of anxiety. Yeah, it's a stressful, it's a really yeah. stressful se- uh, sequence. Yeah, and I don't think this show necessarily does like stress well like i don't think they convey it all that well a lot of the time and i think it's just like an animation constraint yeah so they they pull this off i think in a way that's uncharacteristic and really really awesome yeah yeah i totally agree because it's almost uh like like sensory overload a little bit because mm-hmm. i think because of his spider sense just like flashing constantly yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's a it's well utilized for sure he is able to you know get Mary Jane to go away by lying to her and pissing her off. But right then uh, Morbius confronts Peter. Now Peter recognizes that like he and vampire Morbius hasn't interacted. So he has to like do his playing dumb thing, um, (laughs) which is a good detail. I'm glad that they like settle that. And it gives, I mean, I like um, Christopher Daniel Barnes' like performance because he's done this kind of thing a couple of times when he has mm-hmm. to play dumb as Peter, and he always does the same thing where he like pitches his voice up a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> and makes him sound like extra scared, and it's so nice because it's just such a stark contrast to like how he normally plays Peter. So yeah, just like like who are you? <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> it's even like he even plays it to be like purposely bad acting. Mm-hmm. Like it's not really that believable, but it works. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I like it. There are also some really, really great Peter expressions, like mm-hmm. facial expressions in this interaction. Yes. Um, I actually think this episode does a lot of good facial expressions just in general, but yeah, a lot of them yeah. are concentrated right here in this interaction where he's like playing dumb. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, you're right. The uh the, the facial animations on this on this episode are really are really good. Morbius explains the situation to Peter. And then we learned that Lee and Blade are watching the interaction from inside the van. So this was part of Peter's plan that he told them off screen. Morbius demands the blood sample from Peter and Peter claims that there is one in the van. So when he goes and opens the back doors of the van, we can probably expect what's going to happen. Morbius pushes him out of the way to search for the sample and is greeted by the photosynthetic force field weapon. Mm-hmm. Blade ends up firing it and it does work well-ish um it restrains morbius but it kind of sparks out and doesn't really like keep firing so he's trapped but i think the thing sort of blows a fuse (laughs) yeah Uh, i think that's what we're supposed to understand in this hubbub of like morbius being trapped and lee and blade i guess i guess making their way out of the van peter manages to snap a picture of the restrained morbius which yay (laughs) yeah one thing goes right for him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly one. <laughs> exactly one. Because right after he snaps that picture, Aunt May comes out of the house to investigate what the commotion is. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. That's yep. what we were afraid of and yep. kind of knew was going to happen at some point. And here it is. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <sighs> Aunt May. <sighs> I know. I know. You just, ugh, just, ugh. 
whatever. She's not annoying in this episode. No, she's not annoying at all. I mean, she didn't do anything wrong here. It's just yeah. like, of course, you're going to come out and get kidnapped. <laughs> the one time you're not annoying. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so Morbius breaks free of the force field since it was kind of like sparking out or like probably the, I guess, the fuse was blowing or something like that. I'm guessing um, it needed to stay firing. Like it's, I guess so. that's I don't know why else it would have sparked out unless it was sort of like a, a Ghostbuster gun where you kind of just have to keep firing it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because uh-huh. that's that's not really explained at all. But you know, it's it's a new machine. You can are like it's a prototype. It makes yeah. sense that it isn't going to work fully and, and glitch out. So mm-hmm. totally totally understandable. Um, Morbius takes Aunt May hostage, of course, and he flies off with her, and she faints immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being Aunt May, Frail. or as we see later, just a woman in a Spider-Man show. Oh no, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's not the first lady to faint. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and not the last. <laughs> or, yeah, I guess not the last, but also probably not the first. No, definitely not. <laughs> it does lead to, like, a really cool, very comic booky shot where, like, Morbius is floating in the sky, I think even against, like, a full moon as he carries, like, as he's carrying the unconscious Aunt May in his arms. So, yeah. um, very dramatic shot. Mm-hmm. And Blade once again prepares to shoot Morbius with his crossbow, but... um. Peter claims to, to kind of, he's trying to like mediate the situation, obviously. Right. Um, and he claims that he has a blood sample in his locker. He is willing to retrieve it for Morbius if he will let Aunt May go. But Morbius is like, nah. And he has Aunt May as insurance and goes himself, leaving Peter to literally be shaking his fists as, as Morbius flies away. <laughs> as one does. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, back at the theater lair, Detective Lee is expressing dismay at the capture of Aunt May. Blade shows no sympathy and says, I think even like when at war, sacrifice is sometimes required or something to that degree. Yikes. Which, damn, dude. Yikes. Like, even if you're thinking it, don't say it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this obviously pisses Lee off. And so she brings up Blade's mother, which upsets blade of course and she kind of immediately regrets it um and even says like sorry i i'm sorry for hurting your feelings i think they then have this weird interaction of like i don't feel things and she's like but you can learn and then they kiss baby (laughs) i like when when hot people kiss like yes that's that's cool yeah it's so weird because it really i there's a solid argument that they this romance is very underwritten and everything but uh-huh. i don't know they just have chemistry with each other like they do have good chemistry and i think it's i think it's you can credit it to the short interactions that they wrote for them leading up to this mm-hmm. so it's it is sudden when you're looking at the clock but i do think they built it with the very little time that they had yeah that's true yeah because i totally buy it and it's not even because and they're not even trying to play it like a I understand you in a profound way no one else no. does. Like, it's not about that. It's it's totally just like she's hot for him, and then yeah. he kind of responds to it, and that's that's it. They're like, gonna fuck. A spark, and they are yeah exactly. <laughs> they probably would not make a very good couple. No, but they would make they would uh, have some great fucking. So yeah, <laughs> this episode is now rated R. Yes, officially. <laughs> <laughs> officially. <laughs> Uh, Oh, God. They they do that. Oh, yes, they do do that. So, of course, timing is always bad. Everybody always sees the worst thing happen whenever love happens. (laughs) So as as Lee and Blade's lips are locked, Spidey, of course, shows up and is just like, what? What? 
you guys are just like making out <laughs> while everything's <laughs> terrible. What are you doing? Um, which it does l- probably look bad. It does look bad. It's yeah. like your aunt just got can- just got uh, canceled. Canceled? No. <laughs> aunt <laughs> what, May got canceled? <laughs> what did Aunt May say on her Twitter this time? <laughs> um, oh, God. <laughs> your aunt just got kidnapped and then you show up. The people that were like kind of involved in it are literally just like making out with each other. It's yeah. like, really, guys? Really? He blows up on them um, and Blade blows up back. And it's all valid. Like, mm-hmm. Spidey, un- it's understandable that he's pissed that his uh, aunt has been kidnapped uh, and canceled. And Blade <laughs> is, this is when he does call out Spider-Man for not being there. And Spider-Man doesn't really, like, give any any indication or explanation for why he wasn't there. Right. So it doesn't look good for him. And um, he's just like, but he's he's like, he's... He's just, like, seeing red right now, and he's just, like, casts off any further attempts at teaming up and, and skedaddles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so they're both now on the, I'm, I work alone train. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> and screaming about it. So I know, I know. Lots of yelling at each other. <laughs> you were teamed up for, like, three hours, and you couldn't handle it, man. <laughs> but, what's so funny is, like, the synopsis for this one was, like, they team up to find Morbius. They're, like, never on the same page. They're, like, the worst team ever. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, I kind of yeah. appreciate that because this, this episode does not force the, like, let's yeah. make the heroes fight thing. It's just, like, no, right. they just do not get along. <laughs> They're not friends. And you know what? That's how life is sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, Spidey sets off to find Morbius alone and decides that the most likely place to do so will be at Felicia's. Momentarily, we do see that Morbius has the still unconscious May in what we'll find out is not, in fact, a random warehouse, despite it still looking like a warehouse, and he's setting up the Neogenic Recombinator. He comments that May is actually lucky that he's already fed that night, which is another nice detail because what he's referencing is the guard that he stole plasma from at the Daily Bugle when Jonah and Robbie found him. Right, 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 right. Nice no, I, I didn't make that connection. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, everything wow. Everything is accounted for in this episode. It's Almost so t- everything. Tightly written. And they even, I think this is when he brings up that he, he gave May a sedative, right? So. Oh, I don't even know. I yeah. didn't even catch that. But that yeah. makes a lot of sense, too. He's he's like, you won't. Yeah, because I think it's before he mentions, like, not feeding on her. He's like, and you're, you're not going to bother me with that. Thanks to that sedative I gave you. Mm. So, like, they don't even they don't even do the whole, like, well, she's just an old lady and she's yeah. asleep now. It's like, no. He thought of everything. Nice. Because they, they thought, thought of everything. everything. <laughs> <laughs> So Spider-Man is at Felicia's, um, but while he's waiting for Morbius, he oversees Mary Jane and Harry on a date. They also kiss. Whoa. First date kiss. Everybody kissing. I know. Everybody's kissing. And they're not the last people that we will see on screen kissing. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, for real. Um, And Spider-Man basically, like, goes sad mode and laments all the terrible circumstances, which, again, is fair. Yeah. Um, He is aunt is kidnapped he's seeing the sort of the effects of what happened with him and mary jane um it's all kind of hitting him at once so have your sad but also you're on a mission Uh uh-huh i think this proves your theory that you're saying earlier on oh it was in the yeah the the man spider episode where it was sort of like mary jane's like here you're peter's best friend and we're like no he's not what since when (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely like a retcon now that they're establishing because Spider-Man again specifically calls out, I drove her into the arms of my best friend. Mm, Like mm -hmm. they're making it a point to be like, hey, guess, hey, do you guys remember that Harry and Peter are best friends? Yeah. Like (laughs) kind of gaslighting us a little bit. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's a valid retcon because 
They don't have time to build up their friendship. Harry's right. annoying. Like, just just say that they're, <laughs> if, if anything, like we even yeah. said, he has no other person that he's friends with that he's not trying to date. So, like, I guess for all intents and purposes, Harry's his best friend. It's yeah. fine. It lets him tell more Sobe stories, and I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah. It's very helpful. It's a helpful retcon. It's not mm-hmm. just for shits and giggles. I'm cool with it. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't. It's 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 funny. It doesn't it doesn't bother me. Yeah. So Morbius does arrive at Felicia's while Spider-Man is distracted. So he's actually able to have like a full interaction with Felicia without Spider-Man noticing right away. So he ends up revealing himself to Felicia. Not immediately. He sort of like talks to her through the window and she sort of, I think she was sleeping on the couch, right? So she like sleepily goes to him and then realizes, I don't know, is there a lightning flash or does he just like walk into the room? I don't remember. I think he just walks into the room. Yeah, and so he exposes his face, and she screams. Because, again, she still doesn't know at that point that the vampire creature and Morbius or and Michael are one and the same. So right. she screams. That breaks Spider-Man out of his sort of, like, little sad episode. And he sees Morbius flying away with Felicia in his arms too late. I think Felicia also faints. Yeah, she was the other person <laughs> I was referring to who faints. Yeah. And again... Aunt May was an old lady. Felicia was just taking a nap. True. I true. guess if anyone's going to faint, it's going to be two people in those states. Sure. Or it's just because <laughs> they're women, you know, in a Spider-Man yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. She'll get to be badass eventually. So. Yeah. It's, yes. it's all right, I guess. Luckily, <laughs> they. I guess I guess we get one. It's, one, it's a one for one ratio, right? Because we get Aunt May and Felicia fainting, but we get like MJ and... Detective Lee being like badass bitches. True. So like balances out. I don't think that's how it works, but uh, yeah, it's at least a, a wide array of women. <laughs> that's true. That's true. There are a lot of women on this show now. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. And they're all pretty different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a plus. <laughs> it's kind of a low bar. It's, kind of it's low baseline. Bar. It's a low bar. It's baseline. Yeah. It's like they've accomplished yeah. diversity to an extent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's it could be worse it could be oh, it could worse. be so and much it worse has been worse yes. Yes. <laughs> um so morbius brings the unconscious felicia to a shipyard the same one where he's been keeping aunt may inside of an empty cargo ship with the recombinator so cool new location that we never really like explored before yeah yeah i think there are still wooden crates in there though aren't there oh of course why <laughs> what what else can you crash into during True. a fight mm, yeah mm-hmm, i'm mm-hmm. sure they're empty wooden crates too so of course <laughs> <laughs> um, Blade and Lee arrive shortly after that, thanks to that ancient vampire compass. So mm-hmm. it did play into the plot, I, I guess. Uh, sure. Yeah, I, guess. I guess. I mean, are they especially late? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Morbius explains his plan to the uh, now awake Felicia. And, you know, she's like, she she fully knows that it's Michael now, and she's, like, horrified by it, of course. Understandable. Yes, yes. However, he's alerted to the duo's presence when Lee nearly falls through a broken plank on the dock, uh, which Blade identifies as a trap. Um, so he figures that Morbius was expecting them. And, of course, he was because Morbius uh, attacks. Yes. There's actually – I think there's a really cool shot at one point where – it's sort of zoomed out from where Lee and Blade are on the dock. Mm-hmm. It's after he's sort of pulled her back up from underneath the dock. And you see Morbius kind of hiding behind, I guess, some part of a boat or a wall or something, sort of in the foreground with them in the background. Mm-hmm. I just like the composition of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. cool, cool shot. This is a well put together episode. And you yeah. know what? I should also point out, I thought about this 
between this one and the one last week too, but didn't really have a point to call it out. I think that this is another case where they use CGI pretty well in these up ep- in both of these episodes. They actually use it so much that I I just didn't really track it. Yeah, there aren't any that are like like ooh that was a thing. Like mm-hmm. they 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 were really good about using them only when they're doing kind of like awkward angles or like there's one point I don't remember if it's in this one or the one last week where like Spider Man swings around like a radio tower and then yeah. like Morbius pops up on the on the other side, which you know is a thing you could really only do with like a CGI yeah. uh, background. So I'm pretty sure that's in the last one. I don't I know, think but I, right. I know exactly what shot you're talking about. But it's there's some cool. there's some in this one too, especially with Blade like on the motorcycle and stuff like. They, yeah. they util- they're clearly getting better at when to use it. Yes, yes. I uh, I should pull up at some point CGI from the very first episode and put it next to probably stuff from one of these last three that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. I bet it would feel very different. Oh, I'm sure. I think they I, – I don't think we're making up just how significantly better they're getting at it. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I think – and I think it's not even that the CGI itself is better. It's just that they're utilizing it better. Yeah. Utilizing they're figuring out the best way to make it unobtrusive, which is all you want to do when you're mixing right. those types. Right. Like when you're mixing media not to be mixed media. Yeah, yeah, If exactly. that makes sense. I, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. So, Blade prepares to destroy Morbius with a solar gun. Um, however, Lee convinces him not to do so. So, she is kind of like this... Uh, they're, they're already kind of using her as sort of like the um, like the heart that kind of like tempers him a little bit. It's sort of like, don't be a bad killer guy. Like, calm yeah. down. It's fine. So, But she's still like... What I like about it, because I think they could have fallen in the trap of being like, she's the heart. And mm-hmm. now she's like sort of soft in her approach. She really isn't though. Like she's still like pretty assertive with him about what he should and should not do. That's true. <laughs> that's that's a really good point. So she like appeals to the fact that like he shouldn't be killing people, but she's doing it in such a way that like someone like Blade would listen because I don't think he would listen to somebody like Microchip. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who for whatever reason Punisher just has a soft spot for. I don't think Blade would waste time with that. She like yells at him and says like, that is not what humans do. Like start acting like a human. That's part of you as well. You know, that's a really good point. I think that that's another reason why this romance works so well um, Mm -hmm. for me, especially because I I just, um, they don't lose her character in it at all, but it's also like, it makes sense in the context of the story and the plot. Cause like finally someone is actually able to get through to him in the situation when no one else could. Yeah. So like, it doesn't feel like it's an inconsequential, like throw it in thing. Cause like they had to pair up somebody like it actually does kind of play in with, I wouldn't say blade really has much of a character arc in this, but like what sure. little there is, it plays into it. Um, and definitely plays into how the plot plays out. Um, and never does it without like sacrificing Lee's character in favor of the romance. It's never like suddenly she's a swooning lady yeah, and, and everyone's in love. It's just like, no, he's only able to listen to her because she actually like got through to him and you know, he's <laughs> probably like a little horny for her and that's yeah. going to make your brain a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> this, okay, this though, <laughs> I hate and love this at the same time. Mm-hmm. I hate it because we've seen it so many times. I love it because it acknowledges how many times we've seen it. Yes. So just as Lee convinces, successfully convinces Blade to not try to kill Morbius, Spider-Man swings in and drop kicks Blade, which we've seen at least twice <sighs> before, but I think even more than that. Yes, which allows Morbius to escape. Here's what's great about it. 
Blade basically says, like, I wasn't going to kill him, dummy. And Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man says, great, why don't I ever look before I leap? Yeah. Yes. Yes. You're getting it. <laughs> Finally. Literally. Literally. The first episode. The yeah. very first episode of the show. He does it. And he's done it more times. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, maybe, probably not, maybe... He'll stop doing it because he's called it out. <laughs> stop drop kicking people when they have just had a revelation. Yes. <laughs> Listen first. Uh, look first. Ask first. So Use many situations he's made worse. Yep. Stop kicking people. <laughs> yeah, just no 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 more kicking. Just don't kick anyone. <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. But I do love that they wrote that in. It's oh, so because it, it means, I think it means someone saw what we were seeing. I don't think it's an accident that this is the thing he says. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been the cause of so many like climaxes now mm-hmm. at this point. So yeah, good. I'm glad. Thank you. Everybody's learning. <laughs> yes, That's good. That's all I ever it's a beautiful wanted. Beautiful thing. <laughs> so Morbius returns to the cargo ship to activate the recombinator and turn Felicia into a vampire. Oh, cool. Yeah, and she's like, oh, I don't think I want that. Um, he's even like, it's, he'd be a little selfish about it, too. I mean, more than a little selfish. But he's like, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, then when you're a vampire, you can help me defeat Blade and Spider-Man. Like, mm, what? Mm, what? Mm. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Oy-oy-oy. Right. Cool, I think man. he's just full on megalomania right now. Yeah. Felicia does appeal to him, and she does a really good job. She's pretty awesome in this, too. She's like... You're not the same person I fell in love with, so no, I'm not. I'm not going to go along with whatever you want. You're you're like a monster now. Mm-hmm. The way that she does it is calling back to his backstory that he described to her, which I really, really, really like. Yeah. The way that she puts a very clear picture onto why he's not the same person she fell in love with is because Michael wanted to stop a plague, and Morbius the vampire is a plague, which is a really great piece of writing. Yes. And her line after that is, I can't live a life that preys on innocent people. Oh, that's really good. It's just it's really, really good. good. <laughs> it's really good. And, you know, it's like Felicia. We've liked Felicia as mm-hmm. a character, but pretty much always just in how she's interacted with Peter, because that's really the only time we ever see her. Yeah. She doesn't give into his bullshit ever. This is sort of the first view that we get into her with, like, a little bit of depth, I think. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like it's an unknown thing that she's Black Cat in the comics and will eventually become Black Cat. Yeah. Even if you're watching this, like, without knowing what happens in the future, you know, like, if you have any familiarity with the comics, you know who she's supposed to be. So I like that, like, they're kind of... It's their first kind of tease that she does have, like, a really strong moral compass that's really particularly, like centered on protecting innocence you know like Mm -hmm. that's such a such a typical superhero thing and i like that they sort of casually throw that in here in a way that still like really appropriately and naturally appeals to what's happening right now and how like it's a thing that would make sense for her to say to morbius in the scenario you know yeah yeah Ooh, that's so good i didn't even think of it from that perspective like even just in context i was like damn that's a good line but now it's like so much better. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that's good. Oh wow, wow. Yeah, because hmm. it's not. A, it's not. A, it's a. 
she could have easily been selfish about it where it's just like, I don't want to be a vampire. Like that's, right, that's gross. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't really focus on that aspect. She, she keeps it centered on him yeah. and like what he represents and like what she doesn't want to represent. Um, and yeah. I think that that's a really important distinction and kind of the first amount of depth that we've really gotten from her, like in that way Yeah, that like her kind of stuck up persona isn't really that accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on Felicia. Yeah. So this actually works to convince Morbius to like chill out. And he, he basically agrees like, yeah, he needs to get some help and transform back into a human, which is exciting. Good for him. And Uh he's definitely going to be cured and be a human and they're going to live happily ever after. Right. (laughs) Oh, wait, (laughs) of course, just as he sees the light, this isn't intentional, but nobody can have a nice thing. Um, and Spider-Man and Blade manage to break into the cargo ship. Just at that moment, they drop the hatch door onto the recombinator, which activates it. It's about to hit Felicia, and Morbius jumps in front of the beam, which instead of turning him human, which he just said he wanted to do, mm-hmm. turns him into an even more bat-like creature with fur and wings and like talon things, still sort of a human body, but a little mm-hmm. bit more exaggerated. You mentioned earlier sort of like a man-bat thing, which is really the closest comparison. Yeah. And uh, it's it's pretty, pretty horrifying. Yeah. It's a it's cool though. I kind of it's like, very I, cool. It's I like it a lot more than his uh, <laughs> vampire Morbius design. Oh, I do too. I think <laughs> I feel like they're they're genetically all like they're hmm, their animal based genetic mutations are all really cool, and it makes me wish that like somehow they had I don't know I mean. I don't wish they had done more because I don't know how they would have accomplished it, but mm-hmm. I just want to see other designs by whoever the character designer was because there's so many animals you could do and there's so many characters in this universe that you could do it with. So, like, you have, I mean, I don't know, you have Craven around Africa. There's, like, all kinds of animals that are happening there. So if you had some sort of, like, weird neogenic accident there there's all kinds of cool animals to do it with he's literally wearing a lion like what does a neogenic lion look like what does like a neogenic cheetah look like apparently giraffes are real animals like what would that look like i don't know there's just like a lot of animals that i think you could do like weird horror creatures with and i i I want more yeah I think what we need is a furry artist to get on this because that's (laughs) pretty much perfect, actually. I would love, like, a whole team of just, like, the neogenic monsters. I think, okay, so it it is. Like, what it is is it's, like, anthropomorphic animals. But I think that there's, like, a particular style about this. That's true. And a particular monster inspiration that you would kind of have to try to keep going. So if you did do the lion or the cheetah or the quote giraffe <laughs> you would I, I i i would love to know what sort of like monstrous slight monstrous twist you could put on other animals that would kind of fit into this vibe that's true because it's not like um it's it's a really interesting balance between the hardcore like horror body horror type aspects of it mm-hmm. but it's not like so far in that direction that they're like not pleasant to look at you know like right. they're not they're not ugly, really. Like, Man Spider is such an interesting design because he's very symmetrical. And, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't really, like, 
it doesn't really look like a spider. Like, it looks like a spider, but it's more like the essence of a spider. Like, its face yes. has, like, the mandibles of a spider, but it's, like, the way that it's elongated. Like, it doesn't it doesn't evoke the same reaction, I think, that you would get if you actually are afraid of spiders, the way that yeah. it's designed. And it's, and it's a little simpler and everything. And I think it's the same with the Morbius' bat version, too, where it's, like, it's not so over the line into horror that it's, like, unappealing. Like, it's still cool looking. And if he was, like, happy and friendly, it would just be, like, a cool, like, kind of creepy but still, like, cool looking bat friend, you know? Yeah. Like, it's a really cool balance that this show pulls off that I'm very into. Yes. And I, I uh, yeah, it's so good. So good. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, Lizard is sort of that, but... Yeah, Lizard's on that line. It's a little bit different. I th- well, no, It's I think a bit Liz- more classic, so it, it doesn't quite twist in the same way that I think these two do, where there's, like, something... Like you said, they're not they're not ugly, but there is slightly... There's something slightly unsettling, I think, about both of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't think Lizard quite has that. Not this version. Yeah, he needs to be a little more... I think Lizard needs to be a little more unsettling, actually. He needs a little yeah. more of, like, horror elements to him mm-hmm. to make him a little creepier to balance it out a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, unfortunately... Morbius doesn't seem to be very happy with his new new form. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man attempts to web him and Morbius lunges back at him and knocks the recombinator out of place and it starts like rotating. Mm -hmm. So Blade attempts to free Spider-Man from Morbius, but Morbius knocks Blade into the recombinator again, which is like so far out of place that it's actually on a collision course with Aunt May. So... Who is still unconscious? I, yeah, <laughs> I would. It, I it would bother me if she if they didn't call out that she had a sedative specifically. So it makes sense. It makes it so much better. I, so I don't know how I sense. missed it every time I watched it, but it makes me feel so much better about the fact that she's not waking up through any of this. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad that they. I'm very glad that they covered their base for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So Morbius flies out of the way of the cargo ship with Spider-Man clutched between his thighs. It's a very specific way he clutches onto Spider-Man. Does he? So his 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 arms are wings, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. yeah. I had to like think about that for a second. I yes. guess it's the only way he could have clutched him. <laughs> yeah, so, which is kind of. I mean, that's cool. It's a kind of in, in, ingenious little thinking that they're doing yeah. with that. So yeah, so he literally grabs him with his thighs. This is kind of cool because they so they kind of call back. I feel like these are almost the exact same kind of lines that he has in the comics with the um like lifting the collapsed like building off of him in the water Mm because it's very much like like very much like i can't lose aunt may the same way i lost uncle ben which as we know uncle ben was hit with a neogenic recombinator ray and turned into a vampire and that's how he lost him so yeah yeah um, and it's classic really it's very classic uh no but i think they're very much trying to kind of capture that same uh moment where he's like uses his motivation to save Aunt May to, like, give him extra strength. Because that's exactly what he does here. He summons all of his strength, breaks free of Morbius's grip to return to the ship just in time to swamp, uh, swipe Aunt May out of the beam's path. <laughs> and he also shuts down the recombinator. I just, I just, I don't, holding in laughter so long for your delivery on that. Oh, uh, yeah? <laughs> so good. The Uncle Ben thing. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you like that. <laughs> and, uh, I like because I tried to match the deadpan. I was like holding in laughter, and I just I couldn't for any longer. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah. The recombinator shut down. I'm back. Uh. <laughs> 
Lost it for a second. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So outside, uh, Blade confronts Morbius, but Morbius flies away pretty straightforwardly. Like he tries to stop him and he doesn't. And Morbius goes like <laughs> uh-huh. Felicia witnesses Morbius flying away. She does call after him, which doesn't work. And she asks kind of just generally, I think, I don't know. I think she's just sort of like screaming in mm-hmm. horror, like what happened? Spider-Man mm-hmm. explains like, Dude, I don't know if this is the time to be this way, <laughs> but he's very honest. Yeah. He says that the setting on the recombinator basically like permanently fused or changed Morbius's DNA and that he'll never be human again. Wow. I'm sure that's exactly what she needed to hear. Cool, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. She's just like, oh, <sighs> that makes honest. me feel better. Thanks for your honesty. Like, what the yeah. Fuck? Come on, bro. Come on. <laughs> Jeez. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. What a dark, what a dark what a room. I know, I know. <laughs> she was. Well, shortly after, Detective Lee asks Blade for a date. They kiss again. There's so much kissing. Yeah. So many hot people are kissing in this episode. Lots of well, kissing. Not Harry, but everybody else who's hot <laughs> is kissing. <laughs> yeah, MJ's hot. Yeah, she's kissing. Yeah, so that's half hot. Yeah, that works. Yeah, but Blade, of course, is like really broody. Um, <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> I can't be with anybody for some reason. I'm a I'm vampire hunter. Blah, 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 blah. I'm a manly man. Yeah, he's all broody and he rides off. Yeah. It could never work. <laughs> I love Lee's response to this, though. Uh-huh. It's also good. There's so many good lines in this. Mm-hmm. And she just is like, she says whatever, I mean, what anybody would be thinking. <laughs> of all the men in the world, I have to fall in love with a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> love, who needs it? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Lee, you. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh, <laughs> perfect. Uh-huh. I feel you, Lee. I know. <laughs> Those damn vampires. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in my experience, yes, I agree. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, Spider-Man returns Aunt May to her bed. She does wake up a little bit, but, you know, she's still kind of out of it. She thinks it was all a dream. And, you know, Peter's just like, no, just go back to sleep, Aunt May. It's just just, just forget about your nightmare. Yeah. And that's it. That's enough. So <laughs> That's fine. He then proceeds to swing about the city, condemning the idea of true love conquers all, pondering Morbius's fate. So yeah, so I guess that's like a weird theme at the end, <laughs> at the end of the episode. <laughs> it really is. In, that love hurts and it doesn't work and it sucks. Don't ever love anyone. <laughs> I think sometimes you don't need to explicitly state what we took away from the episode. I know. I think this is one of them. I think when the episode ends in a sad or disappointing or tragic way, mm-hmm. you just you just let it you just let it be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. I have a similar, because I have a similar complaint, but in a different way with this ending scene, which okay. I really love. Mm-hmm. It ends with, with the, the bat Morbius finding a cave on a tiny island. Um, you kind of hear his like inner monologue, I guess, where he's just like, finally, I can sleep. And he just that. like kind of goes into hibernation with the sunrise. Mm-hmm. And he says goodbye to Felicia as he falls asleep. And we see a little flashback of them kissing in the glare of the sun. I think it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really beautiful ending to this. What I... F- fucking hate is the stupid little music sting that they have on the end of it for no reason they have this it's like a sweeping like orchestral music and they're kissing in the sun and it's really nice and then it just goes dun 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 at the end of it why weird why why did you do that why did you do that (laughs) it makes me so mad 
Yeah, that is really dumb. It's funny because, (laughs) like, one of the things I've appreciated over the course of these Morbius episodes is something you'd be shocked for me to say, which is I like the music that typically accompanies Morbius. Mm -hmm. Um, I like it a lot, actually. Uh, and and actually noticed it, but I I did not I did not notice this. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> it was very dumb. Better better for it because it's terrible. It's so yeah. bad. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, and again, it's sort of like you don't have to like you were like you were saying with them spelling out like what we're supposed to feel. It's like you don't need the music telling me that it's like not that good of an ending. Like yeah. it's a nice it's a nice like beautiful little little song that they're playing at the end of it. That the end was just like, but but just so you know, you know he he's a bad guy though, and this is this is good. Like just so you remember, like why why did you do that? I don't know. It's it's really the it's the it's strange, and I don't know what relation. It has to the line that that we don't like either that just happens right before it mm-hmm. because I can't imagine those things are being decided by the same people. Um, but it's the same but problem, they right? Do you know? the same thing, yeah. They they they. It's the same exact problem happening so close to one another in an otherwise like very very good episode. Yeah, or at least yeah. well thought out, well planned. You know, right? Like everything seems very purposeful, and they kind of cut out a lot of superfluous stuff that they could have done so it's weird that they have these two little extra appendages <laughs> yeah. just hanging off the end here yeah everything's really tight and they really did a really good job of like kind of cutting the fat out of the meat of this episode mm-hmm. except for those two parts i don't right at the end and it's just kind of like oh why is it a, it's such a bummer why is it right at the yeah. end you're giving me these weird i mean you know <sighs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in an average episode it wouldn't be a big deal it, but it's just like because everything else was so tightly written and so mm-hmm. good and like pretty nuanced in a lot of yeah. ways to kind of end with just like these really like well, here's how you're supposed to feel about all this it's like dude come on just we let me soak it. it in we already felt it <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah 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 oh well and we don't get it to be continued. We don't. We do not. Even though there's definitely a yet there because <laughs> they're coming back. Yeah, there's a there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot left open here. We we concluded yeah. a, a pretty long running arc here, but there's still yeah. things left to be done. Yes. Face of the episode. Mm-hmm. I love the random background trucker guy. <laughs> Me too. He is so mad at he is like swearing vengeance against blade and it's just in the background but yeah. it's like after blade like almost causes this like trucker car crash that started our giant like tangent mm-hmm. that lasted for way too long on on truck drivers <laughs> um yeah he is so he's like clenching teeth clenched fists he he's like gonna become blade's new nemesis for almost oh, for him almost causing that accident yeah <laughs> the truck driver <laughs> <laughs> Strange, like, attention to detail on his hat. Like, he's actually wearing a New York hat. Yeah! Like, that is that is a tiny detail to put on a back background character. Well, and I even, like, the the thing, the image that I put in our notes, like, that's even zoomed in a little more than yeah. like, what the actual thing was. So it's like, But it's wow. clear they were going for a New York, like, logo. Yeah, yeah. It's Wild. really, really clear. Wild. Huh. Wild. Mm-hmm-hmm. <laughs> Another one that I like is uh, when Terry is like, <laughs> like kind of uh, being told about vampire stuff, and she's like befuddled about it. I think she's even saying like, "But how?" or something. Mm-hmm. Her face is like turning into like an old Disney tune in it. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, her <laughs> eyes in general in the show are some of the most expressive eyes of any character. But this like goes well beyond just her eyes. Like everything about it looks like you could have plucked it out of like a '90s Disney or WB cartoon. Yeah. 
It's so her eyes are gigantic uh-huh. and wide. Yeah. Even like I feel like her her lips are like drawn like a lot uh Yeah. a lot thicker too. <laughs> yeah, there's like a, a strong exaggeration on the way that her jaw drops. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a weird it's such a weird face. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> they do. It's good. The last one, Peter is already seen this one before. Peter is already a 19 year old who is drawn like a 35 year old. Uh-huh. Just used to it by now. During the scene where he's talking to Jameson and Robbie, they just draw a couple of extra lines on him, and mm-hmm. he just just adding like one extra line on his face looks like he's like 60. Yeah, yeah. Every line adds like 15 more years. <laughs> <laughs> And they've added three lines. That's a lot of years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This isn't even like the worst one. There's one really no. brief clip where like there's a line on his forehead too. But mm-hmm. it was it's literally only there for like a split second. So I was like, that's not fair. This line is here for a while. And he just looks like an old man for a while. <laughs> uh, he's tired, Derek. He's just so tired. <laughs> I mean, yeah, has been a lot's been going on. I guess they yeah. can't really blame him for that. <laughs> <laughs> what's funny well i don't it's funny the, what's funny is a plot point that happens at the end of the season that i remember so thinking about him like spontaneously aging and thinking about what happens <laughs> later is actually hilarious <sighs> so many lines there's gonna be so many lines yep all the lines <laughs> yep 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 so <laughs> cool okay well we talked a lot about this one what general thoughts on this I think the second episode of these two is super duper good. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think it's, I, I do think it's worth noting that I think a lot of what it does really, really well is sort of, I don't know if it's reliant on the first part, but I do think what the first part does well sets up the second part to do great. Um, they put everything in place in such a nice, easy, concise way in the first part of it that mm-hmm. we can dive in immediately in this episode and pack in a lot of stuff. And then on top of that, they introduce a bunch of stuff in the second part, like the Jonah and Robbie thing. They yes. add Aunt May to this episode in a way that makes perfect sense. They have the romance between Lee and Blade, and it still all feels really well done and not over overstuffed or too rushed or anything like that so mm-hmm. i just the writing team on these two episodes um especially this one in particular they just really were on their shit and i i appreciate the uh, attention to detail they put into just the structuring of these episodes and the way that everything was laid out and the order that everything happens in. it just it was really good just yeah. really really good i totally agree i don't i don't really and know fun i should point out <laughs> just yeah. fun it's a really, yeah, it's a really fun, it's a really fun as a two-parter, but just this episode itself is really well done. I don't really know if I have that much to add that you already haven't said. It's just, I feel like in general, I've been really, really, really into the second half of this season mm-hmm. now that they've kind of gotten the ball rolling and figured everything out. And, you know, yeah. I don't want to repeat myself for like the ultimate time, like I talked about last week, but they're just really good with playing with the pieces that they have on the board already. And yeah. This episode is such a great example of that because we have so many parts of Peter's world sort of colliding in different ways. Yeah. And it all feels like totally natural. Nothing about it feels contrived. So They get that like distance thing right in these two episodes where the things that aren't in your face aren't taking up too much screen time. Uh Like the stuff happening with Mary Jane is happening just the right amount. Yes. Yes. Fully agree. It's not overstaying its welcome. It's not taking up too much space, but you know exactly what's happening. It's structured in a way that everything makes sense along the way and it allows for the in-your-face stuff to happen and 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 it'll pick up later you know mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's great. I, I also think the animation in the second part of this is probably a little bit better than the first. Yeah, probably definitely. a lot better than the first, actually. Definitely. Uh, this one doesn't do as much of the uh, slow frame rate filler that the first <laughs> one did. <laughs> yes. So I appreciate the uh, the better animation of this one. Mm-hmm. Any anytime we get an episode that that gets smoother, more focused animation, I'm I'm I want to put praise on. Oh, we, yeah, we should, because who knows how many of them we have right. throughout the entire show, to be honest. Right. So, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm pleasantly – we've gotten already gotten more, like, high-quality animation episodes this season than I expected to, honestly, given mm-hmm. my, like, memory of the show. Yeah. So I'm already pleasantly surprised with that. But, yeah, man, I'm really I, – I, I have to say, other than the Hydra Man episode, wasn't super into, like, kind of the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. But um, once the Morbius stuff really kicked into full gear, I've really – liked every single episode um so i'm i'm really excited and i'm excited to see how the episode how the season kind of closes out yeah because um, i don't remember a lot of details about it so mm-hmm. and yeah this season and this season has really just surprised me in how much there is to pull from like analy- analytically too so um yeah. i'm really into it I'm, I'm really happy i'm really happy with it and really enjoying it a lot more than i was expecting given how the first season kind of went it was a little yeah. bit or miss so yeah yeah doing good stuff team yeah, man. And we're doing good stuff, or at least stuff that we're very proud of, over on our Patreon. We restructured for 2020. We've already put out a bunch of cool stuff. We hope you will check it out, uh, see what we've been doing in 2020 over on our Patreon, specifically at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. If you would like more from either of us, just individually, you can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y, tweeting about the stuff I'm watching typically or playing sometimes. I've been shiny hunting in Pokemon, and it is boring. But I tweet about it so that you can commiserate with me. Speaking of Pokemon, if you like Pokemon stuff, you can also find me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon as we feel like it. Derek, where can people find you and the stuff you are working on? You can also find me in the Twitterverse at Derek B. Gale. Follow me there and, I don't know, maybe immediately mute me after that. I wouldn't blame you. You can also find me on YouTube under my show Second Chance, looking at bad or divisive media and trying to uh, critically and analytically uh, look at the kind of the history of them, the impact that those things might have still had on pop culture and why people who might like them still like them, trying to just look at it through a positive lens. If you'd like to follow our show, Walloping Web Snappers, on other platforms, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod. You can also email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Send us lots of fan art of our uh, of our new team of furry neogenic nightmare creatures. Yes, please. Totally into it. Convince uh, also- me giraffes exist. <laughs> I can think of some cool, some cool, horrifying, <laughs> like neogenic giraffe monsters uh-huh. that would look legit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could also, if you would like, and we would like you to, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to kind of support us, or the easiest way to support us, I should say, um, just by helping other people find us. And if you give us a review, we will happily read it on our social media, even if it's bad. We appreciate constructive criticism and feedback, and we will take it to heart, whatever you say, unless it's like, you know, really mean. So <laughs> Really, really mean. <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll still read it even if it's mean, just saying. Yeah. So just, we'll fight through we just the, want the tears. In- we just want the interaction. Yeah. 
Next week, however, Spidey is going to finally, not finally, he's always constantly trying to cure his disease. Spidey is again going to continue to cure his disease with magic? Finally with magic. Finally That's what he have tried the whole time. I know, right? Of course it's <laughs> magic. In Tablet of Time. Awesome. See you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Knowing Spider-Man does not make him cool.